sort of empowering. It's probably a good lesson for how you should treat your own like music. Yeah. It's just yeah. like take, you know, no kids gloves or anything, just totally like do it. Taking, you know, accepting re- rejection with like who gives a shit kind of thing. Yeah. Well, um, that's- and then still being like outspoken though, like about it. Yeah. Like not backing down, just being like, "All right, cool." And I found that have, that's you, have you thought about this idea instead or whatever? Yeah. Yep. The and that's that's how I found out. Like that's how I got in. I don't want to say like got in good, but made some good friends and stuff like that with other producers. Is just being totally just like I think this. Yeah. Like I can be totally wrong, and I can be a total. I'm like, yeah, that, that's great, but your voice sounds like a whiny teenage angst thing compared to later on. Right. So I, and it's you know. It, 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 the 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 guys that are at a professional level are like they'll listen and they'll just, no I agree no I disagree or yeah I agree or no I disagree but the, the the bottom line is when you're really aiming at something you don't really yeah you care what somebody else has to say but you don't care at the same time yeah like you you need that extra set of ears that's why you know I send you music and you send me music and everything right. like that it's like I need another set of ears I'm getting too far up my own ass so. Yeah, and it's a really interesting sort of phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's like how do you how do you apply it to your own stuff more? That is like the most personal thing to you. It's it's like very hard to. I think that we do to an extent. Sure. But I don't think that we. Uh, I think that we're limited in that because we're too close to it. Yeah. So like with engineering, and I don't even think about it because I don't think about it. Are we recording? We should yeah. be recording this. Idea. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I don't. I don't even think about the fact that I could, like, if somebody denies me an idea, my thought isn't like, "Well, you suck." Like, why didn't you accept my idea? My thought is like, "Okay, well, I need to rethink how I'm gonna approach you next time to try to convince, either convince you." Or re, you know, like I'm gonna re, I'm gonna go back, regroup, in a sense, get my thoughts together, maybe work a different angle, and mm-hmm. come at you next time and see if it makes any progress. Oh, that was worse. Okay, well this time let me go back. I see now these are the few things that like are the most important to you, and now I know how to like come back in the next time. Maybe the idea that I had originally changed a decent amount. But it's somewhere in between. Like, it's a compromise. But anyway, then it gets moved forward. Yeah. Then it turns into something where, um, you you know, it's harder to do that with music because you kind of, well, I should say your own music. Like you were saying, the producer thing, it's like, um, the way you said it made me think you you see it as like a separate thing, sort of. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not like, oh, this isn't, this isn't me so much. This is, I'm a professional musician. Of course, I should have an opinion about producing or whatever, right? Yeah, like that's that's kind of like your your thought process. But it's also like there's a there's a degree of separation, so it's not like, um, this is the Adam Keeler, da 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 da, right? It's not yeah, the yeah, exactly. You know, you're not you're not doing that. So yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing. I'm sorry, I cut you off, but no, you're fine. I mean, we're smack dab in the middle of episode 35. We yeah. just kind of segued right into 35. it. So, there it is, 35. Still not our age yet, but that's that's <laughs> fine. Uh, anyways, but speak for yourself. When you're when you're working on that, it's. I think though, like it makes sense to me that you're an engineer at the level of music that you play with. Like that is just like, and yeah, that makes sense. 
like it just personally knowing how you do things stylistically and how that kind of fits your way of thinking sure. that I can engineer makes complete sense. I don't know what to say about myself with just being a teacher <laughs> and, and, and a musician, you know, uh, but it's um, it tends to be that the honest feedback from people whose level of skill you respect is something that will you're using to push yourself to the next level. Like, you know, it, it, if I can be a complete, oh, I'm just going to be a complete jerk. There's some people's musical opinion that they'll tell me that I just don't care. Like, sure. I, I, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to put that in the circular file. It's like, I understand you're my friend and you kind of dabble a little bit in stuff, but you don't get the different, like it, it, it's almost, a, well, it is somewhat offensive because it's like, you have no idea the amount of time that I put into this thing, <laughs> like compared to like what, Right. They're particularly working at. And I mean that sure. in a comparative thing. It's like, I spent five hours today practicing. You maybe do like an hour a week. So sure. get, I'm not going to factor that into what you have to say <laughs> um, or, or factor in what you have to say on, on what I'm doing. You know, other guys that are on it like all the time, it's like, yeah, absolutely. What do you got to say? Like, you, yeah. can, you can tell me it's shit, and that's totally fine. And I'm going to take that as like, all right, there's clearly something that I'm doing that is either not jiving with them and it's just a stylistic difference and whatever, that's just the way that it is. They can not like it, that's okay. Or I'm doing something so poor I'm, and I'm too close to it that I can't see that issue. Sure. And I need somebody else's eyes on it to be like, yeah, that, that's where you're screwing up and that's what you need to address. But yeah, um, no, I, I think it reminds me of this Richard Feynman thing. I think you're rich are you rich, you're Richard Feynman person you know him uh, yeah the uh, astrophysicist yeah, he yeah. wasn't he was more of more on the quantum mechanics side of things but he was okay. a physicist and most people well not most people a lot of people consider he's like one of the greatest minds ever right he, he, wait it, just to interject he's the guy that w like NASA wanted to work on rocket stuff and he had no clue on yeah. rockets and he's like sitting in and just asking questions. Yeah, so that was, I was going like, to get to that. Yeah. yeah, I think I maybe I yeah, so he was part of the Challenger thing. So this was later in his career. He was already This was pretty, after Challenger exploded though. Not Yeah, before. so Richard Feynman was famous physicist at this point, well-known, famous educator too. So he worked at UC Berkeley, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm probably wrong. Maybe it was Caltech. It's one of those. It's California. And like he was sort of like anti-government. He was also part of the Manhattan Project. And when he was <laughs> so but he was only like twenty or something, right? At yeah, the time. Yeah. Um, twenty two or something. And there's all kinds of great stories we could get into one day. He has a book that he wrote, it's like an autobiography. It's called Surely You're Joking, Mr. Feynman. <laughs> so I mean, he, he's a total character. But anyway, one of not surely uh, you're joking, Mr. Feynman. I can't remember the, the pleasure of finding things out or something like that is another book that he wrote. Highly recommend getting all of his books. They're just they're really like surely you're joking, Mr. Feynman. <laughs> like you're reading these things like they're ridiculous. They're just ridiculous stories. A total character caricature, yeah. and absolutely brilliant. But anyway, um, when he was probably like in his sixties, I guess I, I'd have to look at the timeline. So if he was twenties. In the 40s, then, yeah, he's probably yeah. 60s in the 80s. Um, the Challenger explosion happened in, what is that, 88, something like that? 86. Um, yeah, probably 86. More in there. Um, and to figure out what happened, they brought in all these different people. And, I mean, it was like a star-studded cast of, like, engineers mm -hmm. and physicists, right? And they asked Richard to be part of it. 
Um, and he was like, no, hell no. I hate the government basically. <laughs> yeah. And then Sounds his, like my type of guy. But and so his big. wife, his wife's like, you know, you really should go. And he's like, they don't want me there. He's like, I'm going to be like so annoying. They're not going to want me there. And she's like, that's exactly why you should go. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, okay, well, if I, so he goes and because he was a famous physicist, a lot of his students worked at NASA and JPLs in California, which is the 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 lab Jeff that Wilson. does rockets, it's like rocket lab. Yeah. And they were like, "Hey, here uh, he called like somebody he knew, like one of his old students or something." They're like, "Oh yeah, come in. Like everybody would love to see you. I'll get a bunch of rocket engineers and scientists together in a room, and well, like because he, he's even though he's a physicist and he's brilliant." He, he like just never even contemplated the problem of rockets like it just mm. wasn't something he ever investigated and if you read his books it's like he basically investigated all this kind of stuff but he never got to rockets like it just never was a thing <laughs> i mean mostly was in the quantum world not the astrophysics yeah. world yeah. um so he goes and he was just like i'm the dumbest person in the world that was his approach to this thing like he went in and he's just like asked the dumbest like endless dumb questions for like a week and they were totally like he humored him and by the end of it though he's like i know how rockets work like i really know how they work you know mm-hmm. he knew all the like pieces parts what they're all used for why do you use this piece that part that because he went in with such like a blank state of yeah. mind yeah. to just be like i'm i'm the dumbest person in the room even though he's brilliant, you know, he's one of yeah, those. Yeah, no, I was saying. So, and I guess I always think about that, like, when I'm working, because I work with brilliant people. I mean, like, the credentials of the people that I work with on a daily basis are, they're the, the ones that, you know, went to Stanford and Berkeley and yeah, whatever, yep. you know, and they have PhDs and many patents, and some of them don't have PhDs, but they're brilliant. Anyway, they're just all brilliant people. I, I'm very fortunate I get to work with these people. And I mostly go in being like, I'm the dumbest person here and I'm going to ask stupid questions. And mm-hmm. they, hum- they humor me to the point where I'm like, now I have a perspective on what we're talking about and I can, but I don't have any like pride about it. And I think yeah. with the mu- like when it's about your like own personal music, especially like in your style of choice or whatever, so classical or jazz or something, it's like you almost have to, you put like a little like ego in it that gets in the way. Where you're like, well, I should know all this stuff, so I'm not going to ask the question <laughs> kind of thing. You know, and at a certain point, especially like if you've been doing it for 30 years and you're supposed to be this quote-unquote yeah, professional, exactly. right? You, you you don't act like a kid anymore, which is sort of a bad thing. Like you, mm-hmm. you really should be like, I really have, I've never investigated blah, blah, blah. I know it's like a core tenant of this style of music or whatever. But I really never, I don't even know what tremolo, I don't know how to do tremolo or something, right? It's like, yeah, I just never figured it out. And you're like, well, you've been doing this for 30 years. Like you're saying that in the back of your head, like you've been doing this for 30 years. You never figured that out. You're such an idiot. There was you a should, but you should just go like, hey, you're like the tremolo god. Like, yeah, how the heck does this thing work? I don't even know how it works, you know? And like, you would want to be doing that. Like, that's how you should approach it because you probably learned something and then you'd yeah. probably be a lot better at the end of it. I remember when I was the arrogant 20-something-year-old, somebody asked me if I could sweep. And this guy was in, like, a big hair metal band. Yeah. 
like and he's like can you sweep and i'm like you yeah i can play sweep. guitar yeah you sweep <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, you know it's kind of funny <laughs> it's just went straight but, from one to the other so yeah you play, but, you play do you sweep, sweep too <laughs> yeah, yeah well you know because he i was doing the acoustic thing and I've always wanted to get like proficient at sweeping. I don't know what it is. It's just like one of those show-off techniques that when it's done well, it's awesome. Sure. So and there's it, like uh, four people that do it well. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Gambali, Gambali, yeah. Daryl Gable, Daryl Gable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't there's know. I'm some just others. I'm just I'm yeah. kind of teasing, but I think the people Anyways, that actually really sweep feel the same way. But anyway, go ahead. But long story short, I was so wrapped up in my ego that I was like, oh yeah, I can sweep. Like, of course I can sweep. I can't sweep, but I can sweep, you know? <laughs> and I'm just like, that was stupid. I had, like, this guy that with a huge background in it that I could have right. just picked his stupid yeah, brain. Yeah, of course. And I was a moron, you know? I was like... Yeah, why do we do that? It's such a weird thing. Uh, it's, not it's, it's not empowering, like I was saying earlier. Yeah, it's like, exactly. I'm empowered because it's not the thing that I... I don't do that with engineering. I, yeah. I get to be free in a lot of ways and yeah that... and, but eventually you get to that point as a musician in maturity at least you should like you get to a point where it's like there are no stupid questions you know well, i agree just... but it's still hard right yeah it, it gets difficult and my whole rant about like the opinions that i'll take and that i won't take yeah. has more to do not necessarily that i don't necessarily like what that other person is doing or what they're playing it's more of i look at the dedication level and i'm just like come on you can, you know, that 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 irks me it's like we're not we're not equal here you know the, the the guy that's busting his butt i'll respect even if i don't like their style yeah. but when you're like barely touching it and you have these grandiose ideas uh or uh, visions of where you want to take things it's like you're not getting out of your office <laughs> like it, it, that's just it's just not going to happen for you not at sure. that level you know you're not obsessed enough let it go do something else have fun but um you know, I know what you mean there. And that's tricky too, right? Because that's also good insight into what are regular people here, you know? Like sometimes we get so sucked into what are like why are we even playing for musicians, you know? Yeah, and I like, we, but we do that all the time. We're like, "Oh, yeah. this like a musician would totally hear this thing." And it's like <laughs> a bit like and we and we worry about the like the things that don't even matter. Like mm -hmm. For one, the musician probably doesn't hear it. <laughs> and two, um, I mean, unless, like, when you, you've sent me stuff, right? And, like, if I wasn't, if, if you didn't ask me to be like, yo, check this out, like, and I mean, check it out. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, I think, like, 4K is a little hot there, and, like, maybe you should do this, <laughs> or what if you put a little more swing into this phrase? or Like, I wouldn't do that. If I was just casually list, like if I was listening just yeah. to enjoy it, but because you're a friend and we're colleagues and whatever, and you ask for my like professional like musician opinion or whatever, then I'm like, oh yeah, try this or try that, and same and vice versa, right? Um, but like if you were just in, like I don't think, or at least I don't do this. I don't know if you do this, but like when I listen to other music, I don't do that. Like I don't go like, oh, Coltrane made a mistake there. <laughs> you know like i don't even like it doesn't even dawn on me to think that way i just I mean, love it I, you know like i love listening to it yeah yep. and i love the whole vibe of it and he probably listened back and be like oh yeah man i blew that phrase 
that they didn't work out right and like all oh, my tones weird weird right there and you're just like man that's sounds so good like what are you talking about um because i'm not putting that like analysis hat on i'm just listening and enjoying it so yep. and why do i like it like that that's where like the person is the novice or the that can be a useful insight right because they're they're like oh well you know it just doesn't sound exciting enough or something you know you're like yeah. well maybe that's a pretty good feedback i don't know like now, uh, that'll grant of course um that's usually where my wife comes in yeah. <laughs> you know it's like she's the, the honest feedback like right away novice type of thing yeah. she, in, in that regard she plays to that strength you know that that's just sure. like her thing um no filter like she'll tell, say exactly what she thinks which is great that's kind of the, the I don't even want to know what she thinks about me. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. You don't have to worry about it. Just ask her. She'll tell you. It's like, there it is. It's right there. But And it works well with the the playing and the recording because it's like if I'm doing something where I'm trying to get more of a uh, casual listener thing, it it it's good feedback for fitting into that particular yeah. thing. You know, If I'm doing something like serial and atonal, it's going to be an immediately dislike and not because of knowledge uh, of quality of how you play. Yeah. Them, but. It's, it's like, it's, it's just such an esoteric thing where it's like, if you really don't know how to listen to it, it's not going to go well for you. Um, not as well. You might actually, let me back up. You might actually enjoy it, but it's not going to go as well as if you know what to listen for. All of a sudden it's like, ah, I get it. You know, it's like playing uh, Steve Reich for somebody the first time. Where the, if you play like like music for eighteen musicians would work out well, but if you play yeah. it's gonna rain, they're gonna be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> you know, it just sounds like one guy's. Yeah, so they have out. no uh, context for it. Exactly, but they and don't, then have, they don't even have to know about music, right? They just have to have. It's like tasting a food, like tasting whiskey for the first time, right? Like you're just like, yep. "What the heck was that?" I just finished my talisker. So um, the first time too, right? You mean Knob um, Creek? Yeah, got it. Oh, yeah, Knob Creek and Talisker. <laughs> Any whiskey that would like to be a sponsor, I'm in. Um, but, the, uh, but, you know, I think it's like when it, you tell somebody what to listen for, like with It's Going to Rain, I'm like, don't listen to the speech as that's the important thing. Right. It's not. You know, that's, that's like the least important thing. Listen to the rhythms that are created through this manipulation of the re the reels. Like one reel is like going sure. at a standard and the other one's slowly, and it's becoming asynchronous, like it's out. But it feels into the beats within that. And it's not a signature, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's not a time signature, but it's like because of that dissonance and, and the off timing, it creates this rhythmic dynamic that. It's the same thing. It's just played against each other at a slightly different rate. I mean, this was a huge discovery, like huge. Uh, and what that did in terms of blowing the door open, it's even more uh, complicated minimalism, which sounds like an oxymoron, but like more ideas and how to process things over a longer period of time without dramatic shifts in texture is it, it's absolutely stunning. Like sure. it's, it's wild. And uh, I often uh, bring that up. I just had a student ask me about like compositional devices because they like would run into a roadblock. And I'm like, well, you can do augmentation, diminution, invert it. You can reverse it. You can keep the intervallic relationship. There's imitation. And, you know, like I, I went through the rules of compos composition. But I'm like, the other thing too is you could take that rhythmic gesture and just shift it 
by whatever the smallest sure. note division is and see what you get against it you know like, see what happens with that texture and they kind of didn't get it so i found there's a great video on youtube of steve reich's clapping music where it has both rhythmic gestures on top of each other and when it shifts it shifts the one so you can watch it and actually see it all happen in real time yeah it's brilliant cool. you know it's sure. a real educational tool and it's like i could tell that they don't necessarily like the music and i said that i'm like you might not be like yeah this is awesome but that's not the point the point is to listen to the textures that are created just through that simple shift sure and that's something that you can put in your toolbox and be like man i'm stuck okay well did you try that you just shift it a little bit and see what happens yeah sure. or shift it a lot you know whatever just take the same thing and move it and see what happens against each other because it's not just uh, I gave him the whole speech of like Stravinsky's thing of like, when does inspiration strike? And he's like, I find inspiration strikes at nine o'clock every morning because at nine o'clock in the morning, he was sitting in front of his piano with a score and, yeah, right. and, and working, you know, it's uh, the, that whole idea of like the muse and this idea pops into your head, though that happens. That's rare. You, you create the space where that can happen within a certain thing all the time. Like, it's like you're sure. in, you're working at this time you're working. It's like, um, well, especially if you open your mind to all those things you just mentioned, right? All those devices, yeah. like, because then you just say, well, let me just take two notes, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, da-da, okay. So now you're like, now you have something to start with. And now what if we apply all these ideas to it? I mean, it's basically endless. And yeah. then you, you get something out of that. Now that whatever you just got out of that, now apply those ideas again, and it transforms and turns into something, right? And that's why um, I like doing the compositional thing. If I'm writing on sheet music, it's always late at night without a guitar. Because then I'm thinking in that particular mode. Like I'm thinking in terms of the rules and being like, you know, and I can hear most of the... Uh, uh, quick side, John. That's one of the weird things that I've noticed with my tinnitus is that my sense of pitch has gone real shockingly better than I thought that, <laughs> that I was at it. And... Uh, Maybe that's like, thank God it's fixed tinnitus at that IC, so it gives me a really good relative uh, arrangement around that. But I, I was doing, when it gets really bad, I just sit down and do ear training for like 15, 20 minutes. It's a good idea. Gets, that's the only thing that I'm I so can envious. do. I'm so envious. I'm going to go stand in front of like a hand. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't <laughs> want to do that. When it's three o'clock in the morning and you have that high C ring in your head and there's no way to make it stop and you're just at your wits end, it's not a pretty picture. But sure. At this, and that's when I'll usually, if I'm smart and not in my, just a rage and do so, why can't I just not sleep right now? Um, I'll open an ear training app or hop on my computer and spend 20, 30 minutes just doing that. And it's like, I remember myself in my undergrad just absolutely struggling with the ear training. Uh, and now it's just like, like, not a problem. And I'm kind of like, wow, I never knew I that much grew. I finally got it. And I finally got it. But, and the interesting thing too, as well, and this, you know, um, it kind of applies to what Heather was saying. It's like, it totally works for me in calming it down. Yeah. I can like get that. Where it's, not, get, where it's not overbearing. So I, I use that quite uh, more often than not. The, it's usually when the seasons change is, you know, it's like, how can I tell it's going to rain? My tinnitus goes crazy, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Sure. So my knee hurts, you know, it's just like, oh, it's going to rain. My knee hurts. It's like, nope, nope. That high C is getting pretty loud. It's gonna rain. I, I want to so go back just a little, yeah. Um, because I play in night terrors in particular, which does one. It's sort of like half a like a generally atonal ish music that's really through composed, 
a lot of it's like minimalist expired or whatever things and then a lot of it's just like free jazz um i've had friends that are not musicians come out to see that group and i realized early on that like if they're not musicians um and i work with engineers right so engineers come, they're like they're like just kind of like what the heck did i just listen to right <laughs> um, so what i what i've started doing when i see that somebody like that comes to the show or they're telling me they're going to come is and, and this this is based off my personal experience with that kind of music because i used to really hate it i remember when i first went to undergrad when i was 18 i hated atonal music like i just despised mm -hmm. it i thought it was just like garbage my ego was yep. like it's garbage um i didn't like any of it um and i had a lot of strong opinions as an 18 year old tends to do about a lot of music but uh that i was very wrong about but uh anyway what i realized and it was probably that year or really close to that year was that i was listening for the wrong things mm -hmm. and what i was listening for i was like well where's the melody or where's the rhythm or, or these kind of things um and i re and i realized at some point that is not what it was about at all um i so i i kind of say like hey if you you ever gone to like a museum or whatever and you see that painting on the wall and especially like the more abstract ones and you're like that yeah. is crap like what mm -hmm. the heck is that like my three-year-old could do that you know like people do that sort of thing right <laughs> all and, the time yep. and you're like i'm like well isn't that an interesting reaction that you had to that like why of all these there's thousands of paintings in this museum and you walked by that one and you went what the hell like that's <laughs> cool crap yeah you actually stopped to think about that painting that's a, that's a very interesting reaction like why did it make you feel that way and then they start to go like huh and then you think okay now you listen you're listening to the music from the the atone or whatever let's call it atonal music that's let's say non-thematic music or something mm -hmm. then why does it make like sometimes you hear it and it makes you just like mad and then sometimes it makes you sad or angry or irritated that's like how does the sound do that like why does why do you even care like why did why does it mean anything to you like wh why does it bother you like that's really fascinating that's like a fascinating thing if you think about it mm -hmm. and like why do you hear some of this and it makes you smile or cry or tear or, and it, you can't even like rationalize it really and i think that that's what it's about it's, it's really about like emotions like the 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 non-thematic i'm gonna say i'm not gonna say atonal because it doesn't have to be atonal mm -hmm. um non-thematic music um or melodic driven music like that that's it's an emotional state that you get out of it so anyway i, I feel like that was just my side jaunt that like if you're somebody who's listening to this and you struggle with that kind of music and you just like don't get it at all stop trying to like say well where's the verse and the chorus and the yeah the th thematic development and all these kind of things like one just let it be and then check yourself like check your emotions while you're listening to it like do you listen to it and go 
this is boring, you know, or wow, this has been going on for a long time, <laughs> you know, or that just sounds like noise or I don't, but why does it sound like noise or you start to ask yourself, like, why did you have that reaction to it? You know, not just, not just throw it out the window. Cause mm-hmm. it's kind of like if somebody gave you a great scotch, but you've never had scotch before, it's probably not tasting that great mm-hmm. to you because you, just, you have no I reference for had it. that experience. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I've had that experience a lot. I think I've had that experience with you. Uh, <laughs> there was there was one you gave me one time, and I was like, "Man, this tastes like a campfire." That's the frog. Yep. And I'm like, Phew. but like, I appreciate one. I think alcohol is a very interesting thing in that it's one of those things, like people really share it. It's like one of yeah. the like sh- most sharing things that anyone has. Like we find something that we like, and we want to share it with our friends and family. Like we don't we don't generally hoard it. Like usually people get, people get other stuff that's cool and interesting and they're like, this is mine. You can't Mm -hmm. have it. But with alcohol for some reason and food, like maybe it's just because maybe it's just food. But it's like when you find a good food place, like you want to tell your friends about it and you want to take, you want to take everybody there. Or if they're coming to your house, you're like, you have your like special dishes that you make and you're like, you want to make it because it's like this thing you want to share. Or if you have, oh, you're like, all these people are coming over. I should get a good bottle of whatever. Because mm-hmm. I think they're gonna like, like I, I think they're gonna like. It's a wonderful sort of human thing that we do. Um, I don't know what I was getting at there, but like it's kind of like if you're the receiver of that, though, people don't aren't giving you like the junk. Like they're not going like, oh, I hate that whiskey or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm giving you the worst thing ever. They're thinking like, this is something I hope that they really like because I really mm-hmm. like it, um, and. So I, I feel like when you're the rece- recipient of that, you just accept it. And whether you like it or not, it's, that's like the wrong judgment. It's more like very, it's like a, such an honor to get to receive something like that. that you yeah. should just accept it. And yep. then be like, instead of saying, well, this is just crap. This is the worst tasting thing ever. You say like, well, why do they like it? Like they like it so much. Like I'm the one that needs to learn how to appreciate it. It's That's like my weird. mom and sushi. She absolutely hates it. Yeah. Hates it. And I'm like, that is the only food that I will actually go out to eat. One, because I can't do it at home. And, well, honestly, that's the biggest thing right there. It's like, I can't do it at home. And if I'm going out to eat, I'm going to go someplace where I can't replicate it at home. Like, that's it's like Rousseau's. Sure. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to be able to pull that off at home. Totally going to go well, there. Last week I went to like a... I went out to a dinner with some work people and we went to Little Italy. Yeah, you were telling me. It's like I got gnocchi because I'm like, I'm never never making that. Yeah, yep, yep. This is not going to get around to it probably. Nope. (laughs) That is a (laughs) bit of a process. Oh, man. But yeah, it's the same way when when I'm like mostly like, well, I'll never make this at home. So I should get this. That's when you spend the money. So, yeah. And speaking of money on parts, we should talk about like that. Oh, here we go. Our, segue. Our, sure. Yeah. I tried to think of a segue there, but still the topic was interesting, so I didn't want to do it right away. But, sushi like, parts. So, got it. Sushi parts. Yeah. Well, you That's want how... good quality parts. <laughs> it was sushi. Otherwise, you're going to be visiting the toilet. At least, <laughs> hopefully you will, because it could get worse. But hopefully it works with good parts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 
But anyway, maybe so we Paul should quit. Smith, <laughs> maybe let's get no, let's go. Let's go ahead and dive into this for a little bit. I still got uh, some. Uh, well, that's the weird thing about whiskeys. It's like I can drink a lot of whiskey and not feel a thing, you know. But a beer would go right to my head. So, um, anyway, so Paul Reed Smith gave an interview. What was it? Guitar World talking about like the figuring out the par- parts that goes onto the guitar that gets the most in. It. Uh, most resonance back out of it. And I thought that was probably the most brilliant description he could have done. Because everybody thinks that, like, if you're playing a guitar, if you strum X, you're going to get that pr- louder than the actual instrument. Yeah, right. Pop, you know, and that's like, it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because everything that you're playing on a guitar is dying, first of all. Secondly, it's just basic physics. You know, you're not, if you put in 10, you're not going to get 11 out of the thing. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, it was cool because you, you mentioned that he had done. So I sent you that article, and it was about yeah, how hardware hardware makes a big thing. And then you were like, I watched his TED Talk, and so I watched his TED Talk. Yep. And it was cool because he was like, like I, I'm grabbing two picks. Like he was like, these sound, yeah, like they sound yeah, different or whatever. With, with the graphite not in the touch. Yeah, like he's like, he's like, you can tell do you think, Yeah, he was like, do you think that these sound different on the guitar? Like here's a bone nut, here's a plastic nut, here's what we use. Mm-hmm. He's like what which one resonates more or whatever yeah and that's it's completely fascinating yeah very fascinating kind of thing and i wonder like not i wonder but i think that's like that was totally eye-opening to be like when he was like you want to be able if your guitar is a five like in terms of like that's where you're going to get volume wise you want it to be able to replicate a 4.9 when you do something oh you mean yeah no he was saying i i think just slightly misworded which was you're putting in a five. Yeah. You okay, as a person. Yeah, right. The best you can do with a guitar, it's always subtractive. Mm-hmm. Right? It's always, yeah. it's never going to be, you put in six. Hey, he was using six. Now I think about it. You put in six, you don't get seven out. Like you never mm-hmm. get seven out. You hope you can get 5.9. Like 5.9 is the goal. You'll never get six. Yeah. You never, yep. it's not possible. Maybe you can get 5.9. Hopefully you're not getting like two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, it, it was it was really sort of a fascinating thing, and I think if you've been playing guitar for a while, and especially if you tried a bunch of guitars, there are certain guitars you pick up, and they they're just like alive in your hands. They yep. they feel different. They resonate different. They like I don't know how much of it translates to what people hear in the end. I think it does. But, no, I think it totally does. Totally. But, it, but at the same time, it's like, well, if I picked up my best guitar that resonates and I picked up the worst guitar that really doesn't and I played it back and you listen to it on your phone or whatever, like, you might not know the difference. You'd be like, oh, okay, Tim's just playing his stuff. You know, <laughs> like, it wouldn't necessarily be like, wow, that other one sounds so much better. Like, I don't, I don't know that you would get that. But anyway... Yeah. No, um, I, and that, that's, well, that, that's also like, though, that's the medium of playing it. Yeah. You know, if you're, you're sitting yeah, in there. in person, maybe you would get it more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in person and through better gear, absolutely. Like, you throw on good headphones, you're going to hear the difference. And that's uh, one of the things, like, that I thought was fascinating was, uh, like, on my Thames, which is like my concert guitar. I use that for everything. For a multiple like one, this is a custom made like. And it's like we'll high having... end, high end classical guitar. That it's the kind of thing you buy 
and use it for your career kind of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, like when I was use when I first got it, it was because I went from a Yamaha to a Thames. That's right. like going, you know, from like a Ford Fiesta to a Lambo. Right. <laughs> it's just like a huge, huge jump, you know. So it took me. And like, you have to like, drive thirty-five at first, right? <laughs> yeah, ex- to an extent, that's yeah. exactly what it was. Because like my Steve was uh, saying, like you know, take your time getting used to the guitar. Like figure out, you know, buy a bunch of different strings and put them on, and see what's gonna uh, really make the thing sing. And so I did. I spent like two hundred and fifty bucks on strings. Sure. Like when I first got that, and just sat we figure that's cheaper than doing it over years in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it totally is. It's like it, let's just get it done and sure. do that. And I, that's where I discovered that stinks changing classical strings. But oh god, yeah, because you can't <laughs> even really tell if they're gonna make it sing till they stretch out. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna like throw them on and be like immediately telling. It's like no, mm-hmm. give it a day. At least, you know, it, it until they settle, and then you'll really be able to. So I was recording stuff on my phone. Or actually, no, I had my inbox. So I was recording stuff digitally and just playing it back. Anyways, uh, long story short, I discovered the Hensei strings for the tar- carbon tops, which are stunning. And then for the bases, it was just kind of like, well, you know, I, I went through the standard Diodario, which worked, but they died after like three days. Like consistently, it was like, okay, these sure. are dead. So um, then I just started. Now I'm an Augustine Regal basses, and those tend to last a really good amount of time and still be punchy uh, and sure. full. So anyway, so with that guitar, it's uh, like it's one of those things where it's like if I play it in a room with a student, they're like, it's loud, but they don't get how loud it really is. <laughs> and I'm like, you got to hear it in a concert hall. That makes all the difference. And every, the, the, my one buddy was like, yeah, bulls, that, that, that's not going to make if it's, how What difference could a room make? And I'm like, you're going to find out. And so he showed up at a competition that I was in. And, uh, you know, because a mutual friend of ours w- was in it as well. And so he came to see us both play. And he's like, yeah, your guitar kind of blew the rest of those ones out of the water. <laughs> I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's, I'm like, you can tell the difference in a concert hall. When you're sitting three feet away, it doesn't really it's the sound it's like it didn't get enough time to bloom or whatever exactly exactly and not even just bloom it's like you know it, it if you're used to it's almost like going zero to 60. if you're trying to get the car it, but you're trying to do zero to 60 in 10 feet it there's not a huge amount of difference there sure but if you're trying to do zero 60 in half a mile you're going to tell the difference between the cars really really quick because of that so and that's like was one of the things that uh in terms of the materials, hearing with Paul Reed Smith that had me really curious is like what Thames was using. Because I mean, he used a specific like old traditional hide glues because of the way right. that they dry and it allows more resonance. Um, he's, sure. uh, I don't want to blow all the stuff that, because uh, we, we are trying to get him on the podcast. So if you're listening, Michael, <laughs> I'm not going to blow everything. Uh, yeah, but, we, like, uh, we have a lot of questions for you. Yeah, tons of questions because now he's doing stuff. And I found this really interesting is like he's doing stuff with like CNC and double tops. Like he bought a whole CNC rig and stuff like that and he's doing. And he's like, I get emails from people asking if my guitars are going to be cheaper now that they're CNC. He's like, no. (laughs) It's like, not at all. CNC cost too. (laughs) Outside of the other fact of the experience behind that and being able to use it. Like that's like the big thing right there. It's like, you're not paying me to just go and hit a button. You're paying me for the 40 years that I've been building these and knowing how it works and programming into it. You know, like sure. that's what you're, you're getting that in it, and that's like because his guitars are just like they're really, really good. Like, you're making me be. want one of those. 
<laughs> yeah. He does build steel, steel strings. He built one for Michael Chapdelaine, a, a steel right. swing. Uh, Before which, I forget, because yeah. it was it's totally in line with what you were just saying, I just watched an interview, or I listened to an interview with Robin Ford, and he just recorded right. a new album, and he plays a Dumble 100-watt head normally, right? But he went to record the new album. They're like, oh, so you used the Dumbo? He's like, well, actually, in the space that we were in in Nashville, the the studio they were in, it was kind of a smaller space. And he's like, it, it couldn't get it. Like, you couldn't put the Dumbo in the spot that it needed to be. Like, okay. it needs a big room to like to to get the magic out of it. He's like, yeah. when it's close and you're in a small room and it's just kind of quiet, like it doesn't sound, it doesn't sound as good. So he's like, I had to learn how to use smaller amps in a smaller space, but very much like the Thames, like, like you were saying, like, even though you got a Dumble, which arguably his amp is the most valuable, like thought after amp ever at this point. Um, it's like, if it's not in the right space, it's not right. <laughs> Like it was made to be in a concert hall or a large room or whatever. Like that's what it's made for. And yep. when it's there, it's like the Holy grail. But when it's in my basement or something, like you're going to be like, eh, it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense. It t completely makes sense. Things yeah. need, they're when things are designed for a specific task, it may work in another environment, but it's yeah. not going to be the right tool. That reminds I me of those like uh, concert violins, like, the real yeah. ones and especially mm -hmm. there's so when you so i play some violin and i'm totally blanking on the strings now why am i blanking so there's sort of you buy different strings for depending on whether you're playing a concert or you're practicing or you're playing in the ensemble but there's certain strings there's like in this room <laughs> they're really loud and they sound horrible in this mm -hmm. room Mm -hmm. But like if you're on stage, they're just like the heavens open up, right? Because yeah. they need the space because of how loud they are to like bloom. And it's like it takes some time and effort. The, the way the sound waves bounce off the walls and all these kind of things is what makes it sound glorious. And it's a big difference from the ones that do sound really good in this room. So you, you have to think about all these little things, you know. And even the violin itself, you might not use certain violins in a small space because they're just too loud for the space. Mm -hmm. um, that makes it's, sense. it's really interesting when you think about it. And that's a the specialization is one of those things that happens over time. The more yeah. you get, you get trained to it, the more you knowing what to listen for where the lay, the quote unquote lay person doesn't have that ear for it. So sure. it was just, they just don't really hear it that much of a difference. And then, um, you know, so like with PRS talking about all those different things that go into the hardware, and I think about the same thing with the Thames and, yeah. I, and all the, the that construction. Uh, I'm curious about tuners and how much those would could potentially. Uh, what well, so did I, you see? So in that, because I just watched it, he yeah, mentioned probably, the, tw the 21 rules of tone that PRS yeah. wrote. No, so no. it's in a safe. He won't share it with anyone, but. They actually had to go, this happened over the last like 10 years, 15 years at PRS. They changed like everything. They, hmm. almost everything. They changed the tuners. They changed the, the nuts. They changed the, 
um, fret the frets, I think, to different. They tried all kinds of different frets. So basically, like every thing that's on the guitar got tested. And it's funny. So he, he made a little video where he doesn't tell you what the 21 things are, but he's like art director or whatever. Like he's sort of interviewing him, but it's, just, it's sort of a little bit awkward because <laughs> Paul's <laughs> like just takes over, even though he's sort of being interviewed by the guy, but he's, he's his boss too. So like, yeah, he just yeah. talks <laughs> over him kind of, but anyway, um, if you're listening to this, Paul, please come on our podcast. <laughs> but uh except you hate left-handers so you probably wouldn't come yeah <laughs> who knows yeah maybe that'll get you on here but anyway um so he says 21 <laughs> rolls of tone and he kind of like hints at the different things but the art director he's like so how many times he's like over the last couple years or whatever last 10 years he's like yeah the art director guy was kind of like i walked in the room and you're like hey listen to this and he's like, how does that sound? And he's like, oh, that sounds good or whatever. Like, and he's like, I would come back like 15 minutes later and you change one thing, one little part, same guitar, and it sounded different, like better. He's like, it sounds, like, how does it sound better? Because he changed the one thing. And it was just, maybe it was like the tone knobs. Like, like he's like, even like that, like they went through all this stuff, like changing tone knobs and trying all these different things. Um the glues that they used for the frets the, like every little aspect uh, made a difference so he has his 21 rolls of tone that he's like there and I, maybe it's like he's sort of also creating folklore behind it but he's like it's locked in a safe and he's like i hope it never like even after i leave this world like i hope it never sees anywhere but paul reed smith's guitars right like it mm. should it shouldn't be leaked out into the public at any point was his wish um so i don't know it was, it was just kind of interesting and yeah, i remember no. i remember i think it was was it rick beato maybe was interviewing pr or paul Ray smith in some and he got into sort of like tone things and about the wiring or something and like changing a capacitor or whatever and and paul was kind of like well, it's an interesting question, but he's like, does changing the, the type of capacitor, even the same um, rating or whatever, does it make a difference? Like, yeah, it makes a difference. But is it good or bad? Like, yes, mm -hmm. it makes a difference. Changing the switch makes a difference. But is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, that becomes a very interesting question. Yeah. That's, so, and, you know, with a guy like Paul, just, you know, he's been doing this for what, like 60 years now or something like that? Yeah. Some crazy thing um it's like his ear is so tuned to it like he'll hear the nuances through sure. any little thing like that and that's the type of guy you want making those calls you know um right like i i i that's it maybe i'm harping on the paul reed smith thing because that's the one guitar that got away you know like in <laughs> retrospect i should have just kept that damn guitar um and someday maybe i'll buy another one you know i, I can't really justify another electric guitar but especially for like five grand yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh that's a big thing but it's like i i still look at them you know i'm like constantly like oh god that would that would be a cool guitar to own again you know plus I think the, the nicest like electric i ever tried was a prs but it was mm -hmm. right-handed but just felt so good yeah well mine was right-handed i flipped yeah. the string oh right 
like all the things he was talking about yeah and i remember yeah. this is before watching that video but i remember being like man how come my guitar doesn't feel like that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, and I'm right there with Nice it. stuff, too, you know, like, or whatever. Yep. Or nice enough. You know, that. I thought I had nice stuff. <laughs> then those guys came around, the jerks. Actually, and but Robin like, Ford was talking, because he has a PRS signature that just came out or is coming out. Oh, cool. And uh, he was just like, he's like, they're so easy to play. He's like, I don't get it. Yeah. He's like, I don't get why they're so easy to play. Well, he's and like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I never got the thing of like the style producing bad, well, not bad's the wrong word, worse playing guitars than just because of the style of it. You know, it's just like, you know, it's like, well, this is just our style. So the guitar plays a little bit wonky and it's like, um, yeah, but could you fix it? <laughs> like, maybe. Make it so that it like I, I, I don't know. Like, I, maybe that's why I don't like strats because every, I, I owned a strat deluxe. Like, uh, I don't think it was Deluxe. I think it was an Ultra. It was like, this is going way back, like in the mid 90s. Yeah. And uh, it had the Fender Lace sensors on it. You know, it was like the doing the Hendrix thing, flipping the strings. And I just, I just couldn't, it just wasn't it for me. Um, so, and then, like, then I got the PRS, and that was like, this is awesome. You know, uh, and then <laughs> I sold it. Like, all, all my favorite. So here's the problem I have with PRS and why I've never taken the dive. I just can't think of any player that I like, <laughs> or I should say player's tone that I like where I'm like, what guitar is that? Oh, it's a PRS. Like I can't think of anyone, not one. <laughs> no, I'll give you that. And where are like so endless amounts of strat players where I'm like, God, that tone is just unbelievable. And it's a strat. Or Les Paul. Or, well, you got uh, John Mayer doing the Silver Sky thing. Which is a strat. Yeah, but PRS builds it. Oh, I know. But it's still a strat. <laughs> so, it's better than a strat. <laughs> Paul Reese Smith is building it. It's definitely better than the Fender. <laughs> it probably plays better. But, <laughs> no uh, doubt. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I, as far as the, whether they play... like I have this G&L guitar. The G&L is really known for playing well, but this guitar doesn't it it needs a refret and i just never got around to it and it's kind of wonky but like you kind of add some character to that guitar like it has just like a funkiness to it well there's a reason why like some guys use dan electros on albums you know it's like i'm not poo-pooing dan electro it just sounds good i don't know like and that's an interesting guitar it sounds okay in my space but anytime i played it live it sounds just awesome like it sounds so good it sounds Maybe the best sounding guitar I have live. Hmm. So it's a really interesting sort of thing too. There. So you're like, well, why would that matter with electric? But it does. It does matter actually. Like mm-hmm. it just when it when an amp's cranked, and like that guitar just really makes it. Well, it's like that Clapton video character. Like I watched that one Clapton oh, yeah. interview where he's like screwing around on an SG, talking about the tone and the volume knobs and the differences that it makes. So it's like, it's yeah. probably loud too. <laughs> yeah, and that that's like, but that's the thing, and that's why the hardware matters. You know, you figure like it's all a cumulative. Like there's the big things, body wood to an extent, the wood. Though there are pretty good arguments where on electric the wood is kind of like yeah, maybe not so important. Unless you ask Paul Reed but, Smith, yeah, exactly. That that's why. I'm, and actually, I'm, if you ask. Me too. There's no way I, I agree with that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it, it would makes a huge difference, I, I'm saying. Yeah. I, I tend to mostly agree. 
not completely because the, the pickups are doing a lot of the work uh in Maybe, terms of but like i i will keep the guitars names out of it <laughs> they play wonderful but they just don't sound that good and the pickups are the same pickups i have in some other guitars or whatever and like they just it doesn't sound the same <laughs> and it lacks complete mojo even though they play they play like butter like it's not it's so easy to play it just the wood in my opinion is not old enough or has some issues well see the age thing is a different thing than the tonal characteristics of the wood period well like, you know, well it's not like these are that... like known tone woods or whatever i mean so it's not like it's old enough you know well and they're i mean they're both 30 year old guitars at this point um and they the wood just isn't it, it makes a difference it could be the glue i mean i i'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate with that uh but it's like you know that whole idea of like set neck versus bolt-on where i'm kind of i i like the bolt-on for two reasons one it, it sounds different. It does. It, sound one, different. It, it 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 does sound different. But the, the and this goes into the first reason is one is the neck can be replaced with a couple of screws. Sure. You, you break the neck, problem solved. You don't have to go. Great. Now I have to literally like steam out the neck to take it off yeah, of an sure. electric and electric Good luck. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And good luck having it again pieced together and sound good because again glue with that. Um, and uh, two, the I think the argument that the metal vibrates more makes sense versus something that's glued in to the pocket where the glue can kind of deaden that so that, i think that aren't set necks though i mean set necks resonate longer there's neck through neck through there's a whole, set, yeah there's set, so set necks resonate longer like because less pauls are known for having ridiculously long sustain mm -hmm. way more than a strat yeah so they're they're obviously well, I don't, but I'm talking like today's guitars, not necessarily like back when Gibson and Fender were like the big guys duking it out. Well, I'm just picking this because they're like known ones. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, neck through, I just don't think they can sound good, probably. But. No, I, I don't. I, that's what I, that's where I'm kind of like driving with that point. It's like, I don't really get that. And most of the ones that are higher end now, I'm seeing a lot of bolt ons, a whole lot. Like all the, the the Ernie Ball, all bolt-ons. The the, the Abasi, all bolt-ons. The you yeah, know I think the, that's the, partly the, because it's cheaper for them to manufacture it. Well, then they're ripping us off when they're selling them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but I honestly think that it's also like it's a, it's a tone thing with it as well to an extent. But well, they do again, sound different. Sure. Yeah, I, I, it's a hardware. I, thing I think they're doing it because like it's easier to manufacture. There, there's not a lot of people that do set necks very well, but I and mean, that's your other aspect of it that a bolt on is like very CNC specific, and it's like okay, there's your yeah. treads, there's your bolts, and you're done. A set neck is like you got a little make bit sure of like artistry got... to it. Yeah. Yes, and that makes that makes sense uh, for the sense of like driving up costs because it's not just like oh. Yeah, here it is. Put the bolts in. It's like, nope. Make sure that it's snug. You know, you got There should be just enough play for the glue to expand and hold it, but at the same time, not deform and push it out. You know, type of thing. Sure. Uh, all those factors are just like, good God. So, and I worked at this music store once where I taught lessons. I didn't work there. I just taught lessons. 
the guy was like an old school jazz guy, um, guitar player. He like he hated bolt-ons. He thought <laughs> they were just like the junkiest, cheapest, like crappy thing ever. Um, he's just like it's garbage. Like it's such. He's like even like the the strip on the back of the of the yeah. bolt-on necks. You know, he's like it's such. It's like because he was kind of going back to like the the days when those guitars were made. He was an older guy. Yeah, and it's like Fender did that because it was cheap and easy to do. Like it was like the yeah. ma- mass manufacturing sort of like let's drill this out. We'll we'll just drill this out and put the truss rod in this way. There's no real craftsmanship to it. It's just like this yeah, is like the cheapest, fastest way we can do it. And it was just sort of like, in his opinion, like just crappy like art artistry to make those. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's no comparison in his mind between a Gibson and a Fender. Like there's one's like a toy and one <laughs> one's like a real instrument. Yeah. Like he wouldn't even consider like a Fender an instrument. Like it wasn't an instrument. It was, you know, it was it, like a toy. And I totally disagree with him, but I thought it was yeah, an interesting it, perspective. It, it, well, it's like, the, did you see that thing about with John uh, Bonamassa? Yeah. That, did I say that right? Yeah. That's his name. Okay. Or Joe Bonamassa. Joe, Joe, yeah. Obviously, I listen to him a lot, right? Uh, but, uh, anyways, the uh, one of the things that he was saying is like, I can pick up any guitar and it's going to sound like me. Sure. Like, and he was, it was a video, and like he did that, you know, Strat, Gibson, whatever. It just was like picking it up, and it was his sound, which I thought was really fascinating because it's like how much. But everybody's like that. Yeah, but that's what where, where I'm heading with that. It's like even on acoustic and electric, and doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Right, like yes. if you took a crappy, you took the Yamaha again, it would still sound like you. Yes, exactly, and that's what I'm curious about. Like, how much of that is in the artist getting the res- that same response from the the and a variety of instruments versus the actual instrument itself? That, that made it, me think of like so. Let's say you had the Yamaha. That's all you ever knew. You don't. You didn't know any other difference, right? But once you got the Thames you started to recognize certain like ways that it does things and blossoms and because it's a better instrument. Um, so then when you go back to the Yamaha, it's like, you still know what that sounds like. You have an, an, now you have this whole like other frame of reference to what sounds good. And it's almost like you can take that and force the Yamaha to do it a little bit because you're yeah. seeking it. Like now, you know what it sounds like. So you can like, you probably do it somewhat subconsciously, but like, it's like, oh, now I have to milk this note a little bit more this certain way or whatever. I have to press a little bit harder. I have to get a different angle to get something similar to what I was getting out of that other guitar. It's, it's like it opened a, it opened like a, it broke the glass ceiling or whatever that you were having. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes, I think it's more of the sense of like, I could see more. If that makes sense, sure. Like I can see more in terms of what's coming out of the instrument, and then uh, with that, I can go back and be like, okay, these are the things that this thing may not have been able to do originally, but now that I have experienced what I can do with it, let's see if these things can come out of it. And sure. granted, some some things just don't. There's just it's completely limited, but it. Uh, it's just the way that it it is. It's just like, all right, since it's limited, I'm gonna get as close as I can, and kind of, sure. you know, the tone is, you know, in the in the fingertips. Um, 
And granted, I've never thrown a set of like Hensei's on a Yamaha. I just couldn't. It's like a $20 set for just the treble. So I'm not going to put that on a Yamaha. It's going on the, the, the Thames there and, uh, and on the, the Barnett, you know, it's like, the, by the way, this is, this is not to knock Yamaha because Yamaha does make yeah, some no, very no, fine quality yeah. stuff. But the Yamaha that Adam is talking about is one of the more entry level. Yeah, guitars, right? and I'm not poo-pooing that. It's like I, I, I put all of my students, if they want to pick up a first classical, yeah. like get a Yamaha. Why? Because the build quality is consistent and it's great for the price. Absolutely. Sure. They don't make it. Um, but like the, the couple thousand dollar Yamaha nylon strings are awesome. Yep. yep. Maybe they're not um, a Thames, but they're still professional grade instruments. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not a Thames. But they're still good instruments for what you're paying for. Absolutely. You're going to get a quality instrument out of that. Um, so, like, it, it, the you thing that You can sponsor very, us, too, if you want, Yamaha. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll be much more friendly. <laughs> Not really. We'll just be honest. But I... I uh, the, um, the thing that's interesting about the hardware thing is, like, Paul Reed Smith... In one sense, the electric guitar has a lot more hardware variability to it than just a, a classical. Though... I'm going to put an asterisk on that and say that, like with a classical, it might not be hardware things, but it's definitely design, the the bracing and so on. So it's a, it, I think that in one sense, if we change the word to construction, there's going to be a lot of intricacies in the construction of both of them that are going to make one better than the other. Sure. You know, like uh, that's just the nature of the beast. So uh, the things that are in common though are like bridge and saddle or saddle materials, nut material, and tuners. Like those are the three things that. Both guitars will have, no matter what. Like an electric will have a saddle, and and with that in mind, I'm curious to see like if there's particular materials that will work better. Uh, I, I'm saying the question wrong. I'm curious to see. I'm saying the same thing. Let's see if I. I'm just going to shout it out, and hopefully it'll make sense. Uh, that Talisker is doing his job. The um, I'm curious to see like if the same materials get the exact same results, or if, because it's an electric guitar, you want a, this type of material, because that's gonna make that particular instrument sound a particular way. Because, you know, tusk nuts, T-U-S-Q, like yeah. it's like on both electrics and, and, and nylon strings. Uh, bone ones obviously are. Graphite, I haven't seen any graphite ones on a classical, um, ever. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to make a di difference or not, but uh, I think those are typically like the, used though, right? Because of the yeah, the bar stuff, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the floating drum uh, with that, but they're still really, really re resonant. You know, I I could see that being useful. And then my other big thing is the tuners because PRS uses locking tuners, and they're great quality things. I don't know but if they use do they use those still. Yeah, no, they're new one. They have a newer design. Uh, yeah, uh, they look a they look gear. quite a bit different. So they're, it, they're probably uh, still locking, but yeah. Yeah, they they're they're, they're still locking, but locking they tuners rule. Well. If you don't have a guitar with locking tuners, that's the one thing I'm jealous of with the so nylon. Nice. It, it, it's that would be awesome. But oh yeah, anyway. nylon. Yeah, I don't know why they don't. That'd be a good question for Thames. Like, why not? What's that? I would say the stretching, the string. Like, yeah, but why not? Why not still have it? So you have to wind it around a few more times so it stretches. And what's the point? You know, if you got to wind it like four times. Okay, so it's like eight. Right more now, times. you have to wind it like seventy-five times. <laughs> <laughs> not, not really. I've gotten to a point where I've, I'm t I, on the bridge part. I tie them off like 
relatively easy. Yeah. And the headstock, it's basically I need like three loops and I'm done. You know, uh, it's, I mean, it's because not I stretch that much though, dude. There's like multiple steps flat. If I don't, if I tune it up, just tune it up the pitch and don't touch it. Within five minutes, the thing is like you know gets down to a C for the low E. It just like it stretches out and then you bring it back up, like totally that that nylon string. Know, man, I, don't, I mean I know they stretch more, but okay. I don't know that it's like crazy. I uh, would when I would tour, I would take steel string with my steel string guitar. I would throw a set of strings on twenty minutes before a show and be totally fine. If I did that on the classical, I wouldn't make more than like three notes before the pitch being gone. You know that it, it just that that's a totally that's like metal and plastic. There's gonna there's a huge difference. Come I know, on, but it's not like <laughs> it's not like you're gonna have to wind it like three times after you've pulled it the first time. I just don't think that's true. Uh, yeah, you will totally. There's I don't a, know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna somehow test this next time. I I need to change them on my. I was looking at strings the other day on the Ramirez one, but. Like the, the only I've, I've had the Hensei's on there for like a year now, but they last forever. So that, that I mean, yeah. I keep them on to like I'm. I have a show. The, the only thing I don't like about those strings, I love how loud they are. I yeah. wish, and I've gotten better at it, but vibrato is so much better with regular nylon strings. Look at that. The thicker strings make a difference. Like, and they are thicker. Like the regular yeah, Diodaria. Yeah, but like it's like the slightly thicker. Even than the if they're the same thickness, I think the nylon. Like you can really like get like a almost like a wide vibrato, um, comparatively speaking, which I like to be able to do. But they're not as loud, so it's sort of a unfortunate side effect. Mm -hmm. But that's that, that's the trade-off, you know. It's a. Yeah. Uh, like I, I mean, I I was shocked when I put the Hensei's on. Once they stretched out, I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like, yeah, dang, really cool. wow. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of wondering because I'm thinking I'm probably gonna get. Um, I've always liked the Salvarezes, and I'm trying to remember which ones. Corums are the the carbon. Yeah. Well, I was gonna try to get non-carbon because it's like, well, even if I hate them, it's not that big of a deal. But the deer, I will say this much: I hate deer. deer. I <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Adidas and nylons are great for the money, but they They're came not. out. Don't listen to Adam. He's wrong. <laughs> what does he finish. know about any of this? Hey, let, let me finish, damn it. Spend the extra, like, $2 and get anything else. <laughs> <laughs> no, their bases are fantastic Bull. for a couple of days. Right. And the trebles work. Like, I, I did a whole they semester. They sound like plastic. They really do. They do sound like plastic. Um, and not the good kind. <laughs> <laughs> Finishing my thought now. I'm not going to let you. <laughs> I signed up to do a beta tester for some Diodario strings. Like, they, they're like, you know, they were looking for beta testers for classical. So I was like, sure. sure. I mean, what the. And I absolutely loved them. Like, they were like this carbon thing that they did with. It. I was just like, God, you got to release these. These are great, at least on my guitar. And I never found out if they actually did or not. Hmm. You know, I think it might be like the carbon. Nile XL coated ones for classical, but I'm not sure. And actually, I'm pretty sure they're not because they didn't sound the same uh, when I, I purchased that. I'm like, maybe these are the same ones because those were some type of carbon-based string. But God, that whatever that beta thing Free was, tastes or t t sounds pretty good though. <laughs> yeah, no. It, well, I mean, I was listening critically. Critically, I'm when I did it, you know, I get it. I get what you're. Ha ha! You're funny. <laughs> I, I just don't. I don't think like the Pro Arte strings. I 
I struggle with those drinks for because that was like the recommendation from a lot of people, and I use them. And I never liked them, and every time oh. I put anything else on, like every other classical string I've ever tried, like they, they're all a hundred times better than my experience with those strings. See, mine is maybe Diodaro it would change and... now, but I don't think so. If you have a better instrument, I think Diodario are are great for like the standard. Now, I tried. When I was doing all those strings, I like, you know, I went on strings by mail and I'm like, I'm yeah. going in the click, 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 and just order them sure. all. Um, and, uh, like, Diodario sounded exactly like Diodario, no change there. And then I got these Plastic. Galley Genius. Yeah. Like, Galley uh, Genius. What do they call it? Uh... What does my daughter have? Like a princess guitar, like those little plastic. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what it sounds like. So, anyway, so I got these Galley Genius strings, and I loved the way that they sounded, but the build quality was garbage. Like yeah. the high E would start to shred within a week, which is ridiculous for a classical. It's like, why is this coming apart? Like literally. Right. And I, I, I went through like tons of sets with them because I really liked the sound, but I'm like, I'm constantly replacing the high E string. This is stupid. And then that's when I uh, ended up uh, snagging. Like, I went to the super expensive strings and grabbed the Hensei and the Hanabok Golds and the, all the specialty sets. And I, that's when I discovered the Hensei. And I was like, okay. And these things last forever. Like, I've had this set on for six months. Um, and I'll, I'm going to change them when I have, a, I have a performance coming up. Uh, and I'll change it like three days ahead of time just to make sure that it's nice and stretched out. So, and... Now, granted, I could ju- I could do it overnight without too much. You'll of a need problem. to wind them like four or five times after you put them on. So. Yeah, well, I put them on. I tune it a whole step, or at least a half step to a whole step high, and then I let it sit overnight. And then the next day, I can bring it up to pitch, and it'll generally sit so that I can practice on them. So that's it's actually a really good idea. And then I would that, feel by the end of the that. practice, it's like Iron Man. <laughs> that's after I string it up the first time as I'm tuning it you can hear it go out of tune know, so know. The I've definitely been there yeah there's a lot of <laughs> moving parts going on yeah. yep but uh, yeah that makes a big difference but I'm curious about tuners themselves because on the classical ones you know you have your like entry level ones that are like 20 or 30 bucks for a set that yeah. goes on the Yamahas then you can get into like the, the Shaler ones that are like around 80 and then you can go up to like Waverly's uh which are like around 250 bucks ish uh, Sloan. They're owned by Waverly, but same thing. And then you can go crazy. You could spend a thousand bucks on a set of tuners with Rogers or Alessis or Alessis uh, uh, and um, there's other ones too, where it's like, that's just insane. You know, that, 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 just for freaking tuners. You know, Rogers has a huge reputation behind them in a good way. I've never heard anybody be like, oh, I made a mistake putting these on my guitar. Sure. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely, in one sense, they find that investment worth it. For myself, I had two sets of Sloan tuners and both of them started shaking. Hmm. Like the, the tuning pe- the That's not the bummer. pegs, but the winder thing. Yeah, it was a real pain in the ass. You know, and I, it would literally be that little piece of wood that I would use to tune it because if I held it, the shaking stopped. You know, I tried super gluing it, taping it, you know, whatever. And uh, the Thames at the time, it, and he is a very gracious person, but at the time he was like, oh, yeah, send me the old set. I'll send you a new one. And, you know, and so I, because this was in like a year of having the guitar. And 
the new set lasted longer, but within three years, they started doing the same thing. Hmm. And so I ended up getting, uh, taking this to a colleague of mine, dad, who does gu builds guitars and does guitar work now. And he was like, I just use the Shaler ones. He's like, they're cheaper, but they last and they don't do any of the buzzing. And I'm like, all right. I mean, cheaper. Do they tune well? That's basically <laughs> it. You know, otherwise I don't really then care. You're like, now you're like, crap. Maybe yeah. Now after listening good. to the hardware thing, I'm like, Am I killing my sound? It's like I doubt it because my guitar still sounds super loud. But I wonder if, like, if the Rogers are that much more solid, that it would make a difference. I think uh, as Paul would that. say, they make a difference. Is it better or worse? That's up mm -hmm. to you. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the return policies on Rogers doesn't exist. <laughs> it's like congratulations, these are yours now, forever. Now the easy counterpoint is that will immediately add a thousand dollars of uh, resale value just to the guitar. Like that's that's the nice thing about it, you know. When you're dealing in one sense with boutique instruments, it's, an upgrade of that level is going to just add more to the price tag. If I if I wanted to sell it, which I don't plan on doing anytime soon, um, though I have been kicking around the idea of building another one. So <laughs> it's been 14 years, so maybe it's yeah. time to, to get something. Right. I, I kind of want I, I want to check out a double top with a raised fret. Yeah, I, I want to ask Tim's like, oh, how much? Uh... How much have you learned since you built Adam's last guitar? And how horrible you were at it 14 years ago. Yeah. We'll find out uh, when when we get into the interview. But I mean, you uh, gotta think like now that you don't stand by your previous instruments, but you gotta think like you learned something in 14 years. Oh yeah, I I, I think that's like when I was emailing Barnett about the guitar that I bought. He's just like, <laughs> it's funny how much I charged for guitars back then compared to what I charge now and the build thing and everything else. You know, I, I sent him pictures and so on. He's like, yeah. oh yeah, it's like that one. Is, the Barnett is number twenty-seven. You know, and he's in like the at least like five hundred now. Yeah, you know, sure. It's like, talk about a spam. <laughs> you know. Sure. It's, like the, the first time doing something or the first 30 times doing something versus your 500th time doing it. Sure. That's just like, good Lord, the level of, if you're even remotely competent, you're going to have so much more experience with it. Yeah. And building that. So who knows? You know, if, if Rogers wants to send me a pair of tuners, I'll gladly <laughs> try them out. <laughs> See we'll do happens. a comparison video. Yeah, we'll do a comparison video. No, that'll do it. Sure. Yeah. No, they're type of, they're that type of company where it's like, yeah, no. Well, right, so I was, I was going to poo-poo, I had to say that that way, on Paul Reed Smith for a moment in that all the things he said, I am absolutely sure that he is aware of his real market, which is not players collectors it's collectors who like pretty things oh yeah like the and dragon I, guitars Holy yeah and I, and I want to just kind of highlight that um and i bet if you ask paul too like the prettier the wood doesn't mean it sounds better yeah but it does mean you can charge more mm -hmm. so a lot of these things wow. like you were saying the those are it goes up to two hundred dollars for that one tuners or whatever compared to a hundred, and then all of a sudden it's like a thousand. It's like, well, is the thousand actually better tonally, or is it just like a thing that looks better or whatever, you know? And I'm mm -hmm. not picking on those ones in particular, but it's kind of yeah, no, I know what you're saying. It's like with PRS, does the Dragon guitar with all the crazy like inlays and like different colors and all that whatever. Like, does that actually sound better than your standard like custom twenty four that costs five grand or what four or five grand? 
compared, compared to the, to the $25,000. Like you're not like that $25,000 is not because it sounds better. It's because of all the other stuff. It's the yeah. looks and the prestige of it or whatever that you're buying. It's like the Collins guitars versus like the, um, the high end Martin that has tons of appointments on it yeah. versus the Collins guitar that looks like a low end Martin, but it'll blow the thing out of the water without sure. even a, a, a quick thing. I mean, that was the thing that when I tried a Collins guitar, I, I was stunned. Sure. Like, stunned. Because it just looked like a plain Jane acoustic guitar. And I'm like, all right, why is this plain Jane looking guitar $4,000? And then I strummed like an E, you know, an upside down E because of a right handed guitar. And I was like, oh, that's why. Yeah, that's right. why <laughs> that I have to go change my pants. That was amazing. I, I saw a gear page thing one time and it was somebody who got a Manzer guitar. Mm. They mm. waited the two years or whatever, and they paid the 20 grand for it. And they, I don't even like, they must've not known like, again, Manzer must know that the people buying her guitars are not players. Right. Mm. But anyway, she makes them. She, there's the one that's the one that Pat Metheny was got famous for, not the harp one, but just the regular, I think she calls it the Manzer, maybe even. I can't remember. Mm. And it just looks like your everyday, like, steel string guitar, whatever. It's totally plain looking. And this person was just complaining, like, didn't have any figured woods. Like, I paid 20 grand for it. Didn't have the, like, <laughs> you know, there's no gold appointments. There's no this or that. And it's like, th that seems crazy. Like, why would I spend 20 grand on something like this? And it doesn't even have... Blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, one, like, that's just what Manzer's cost. I'm um, mm -hmm. like, and that's an entry level Manzer price. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so 20 grand for like a plain Jane looking Manzer sounds about right. Um, but like, that wasn't the point of that guitar. <laughs> like, she made, like, that's supposed to be one of the greatest instruments anyone makes, right? Like, you're yeah. buying like, an expert craftsman or whatever. Mm -hmm. Now, is that better than the Thames or what? I mean, that's all up to other people to decide. I've never played either, really. Um, I guess I've probably strummed yours a few times, but yeah, so. um, but I've never played a Manzer. Um, I'm assuming it sounds wonderful. Yeah, does it sound better than a Collins? I don't. I don't know. Does it sound better mm -hmm. than Santa Cruz or whatever? I don't Rocky know. Bottom, all those guys. Um, is it worth three, four times as much? I don't know. Um, but I'm sure that it sounds amazing. Like, mm -hmm. that's, like, that's the that's, thing. I mean, that's my big thing. It's like when you're buying an instrument, looks are like way second. Yeah. To me, way second. It's got to be, uh, you got a dog coming downstairs. Yeah. I but the, like the, the looks are so secondary depending on how it sounds. Like and you notice, I notice that the, like some of the cheaper guitars that look great, it's like you're compensating. Yeah, you're clearly compensating for something on that one. You know, the the hardware is not helping you because it's like all this cheap stuff, and you know it. it I think I told you like I don't I don't really like quilt tops because I remember I worked at this music store in Brooklyn, and there was these Washburn guitars, and they were like two hundred bucks. And they had faux quilt tops on them. Mm. They were just horrible. They were these horrible, yeah. crappy guitars. And I just, like, I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> the quilt top just means junky guitar. Like, like it's a, that's synonymous. I've been programmed. So every time I but, see a quilt, I'm always like, Meh. and I have a few yeah, I, that have that it. Like, Buckeye Burl that's on my GOC, I absolutely like, love. This guitar is amazing, and it has quilt, right? Yeah. 
but uh, I still I, I still wish it didn't have a I like I feel like I look at that guitar and it doesn't look that nice. <laughs> like yeah, I, I like cool tops. I loved I love the Buckeye Burl. I love Buckeye Buckeye Burl's cool. I love uh flame tops look great to me. They look higher end. Yeah. Quilt quilt just looks like <laughs> just no. I was gonna order cheap. I feel like, like when I was cheap. buying that Paul Reed Smith, I had in my head I wanted to order a purple quilt top left handed Paul Reed yeah. Smith custom. You know, with gold hardware. That, that that's like, God, am I gaudy or what? Thank God <laughs> like, I didn't bother to do that. Um, it's like mistakes would have been made. You know, I, you know, I have gold hardware on my carbon, which is a is a Koa and it's got gold hardware. All the gold's yeah. like rubbed off at this point. Yeah. Like I yeah. would never get gold. There's no way I would get gold hardware again. Yep, same. Never gonna happen. Um but uh it uh what's the way to put it? The um the aesthetics are always second in terms of the sound. Like, sure. Always. And it's great when you can have both, but I'd rather, like, if you, you know, it's like, if you're you're having heart surgery, you want a heart surgeon, not a plastic surgeon. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, just make it so I live. Thank you. I don't really care if the, <laughs> it's sewed correctly. I want my heart to be doing its thing. Right. Yeah. Uh, and that's so in terms of guitar manufacturing, it's, all, it's like, make sure that this thing just booms, you know, and then, you know, the, the artistic freedom of doing some things with it to make it look pretty aren't going to ask add a huge amount to the cost and not too detrimental sure. right whatever and yeah, I was I, like, I, oh, go ahead yeah. no i get the collector market thing as well it's like you know that's and once you're a builder guy, you need to do yeah. that right that's how you make your well, money you don't, need, you're not making money off of musicians you are to an extent but well, i mean it's yeah, I get sure. it. I get what you're saying. Like the real money is in the collectible thing, uh, in terms of just sheer markup. You know. Sure. That being said, though, you know if you're, it's almost like sculpture with the high end luthiers, like that level of artistic endeavor when they're putting things together. So sure. the collector thing is kind of like validating the artistic aspect outside of the simple. Simple's wrong, but outside of like the music aspect, it's like there's like the woodworking craft becomes the the the, the big thing. It's like woo, you know, yeah, and, sure. and and it also sounds great. Um, <laughs> so either way, but yeah, that's a, that's a hell of a rant on many different things. Yeah, we went around the bend. We went around. We eventually, I, I pulled that that segue was decent, you know, <laughs> going into the uh, um, sushi to uh, hardware. Sushi to Hardware, it, it works. That's a great album name. <laughs> Sushi to Hardware. Oh, man, I heard a great band name the other day. Crap, I wish I could remember. I can never remember. It was so good. And I was just like laughing. I'm like, that's an amazing band name. Crap. Um, I don't know. I don't remember what it was. I've been just that was useless. Kate always gets mad at me about that. She's like, because I always say, oh, man, that's a good album title. <laughs> she's, like, she's like, you won't remember it anyway. I'm like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I said I should make notes, but I never do. I so would be really I'm like, I could have like thousands of. I should like sell band name titles. <laughs> to start like <laughs> reserving domains for the next right. big band. It's like, ah, oh, if you want, you know, sanctity of my love embraced. Sorry, that's that's that's. that's I own that. It's going to cost you a million dollars. You know that big pop band. You have to pay it. So. Subscription model, though. Right, <laughs> hundred grand a year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, subscription models we should save that rant for another time <laughs> but the, either way this has been interesting like the, the hardware aspect of the guitar is always one of those things that i think is underappreciated outside yeah. of the overall assembly 
it's like no all the little things add up you know it's uh sure yeah i mean just not to keep us going too much longer but you know like i'm looking to get a guitar built soon and there's a couple builders i'm talking to and i think i've honed in but that was my spiel to these guys which was like here's the things i want out of it i don't really care what it looks like like Mm -hmm. and i kind of want to lean on them a little bit to just be like okay i could say what i think maybe is the right kind of wood or whatever like but what do i i don't know anything like yeah i know very little so i want to lean on these guys or the person i'm going to use just basically say these are the attributes of the guitar that i want um what would you suggest you know for the wood you know and the hardware and the da 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 because uh you know like and it all comes from the sound perspective like i don't need the fancy quilt tops i mean yeah. junky you know <laughs> and gold hardware or like crazy inlays or anything like i'm not going for that i'm trying to get a the best sounding guitar i can get right mm-hmm. best sounding and playing guitar i should say yeah, that's pretty much it. Sound and playability. So. Anyway, so another album name: Sound and Playability. <laughs> Not really. Hmm. Eh, it could kind of work.